Hello, I'm Michael Brodeur, and welcome to Leaders Alliance. We are a global community of kingdom-minded leaders who are passionate about helping you become the world-changing leader that God created you to be. Join the conversation. Well, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we are Leaders Alliance, and this is our podcast. And uh, so excited about today. I have a dear, dear friends of ours will be yes, on with us, on. Jeff and Sherry Whitmer, and we'll be introducing them in just a few minutes. Yeah. I mean, they're rich, you guys. Um, they have such a deep history. They've, they're soldiers, they're warriors, they're peacemakers. They're just... Um, good people you're going to enjoy today. Yeah. So um, as we get started, though, if you're you know, first time viewer or listener, let me just explain a little bit about Leaders Alliance. You know, Diane and I were pastors in San Francisco for over 33 years. And during that time, I'm from our youngest age. I was 20 when I moved to San Francisco. And um, anyway, we've been in ministry a long, long time, 45 years or so. Um, and we've had some amazing journey, got to work with a number of amazing movements and, and leaders around the world. God has blessed us with rich connections and friendships. One of the things that we've been troubled by to some extent, though, is that in the last 50 years, that the body of Christ has lost our voice in culture, that we've tended not to be able to influence things at the level that maybe we once were 50 to 100 years ago. And as I've looked at that, I thought, well, what is that about? Why is that so? And what we thought about is, well, the church needs to up its game and those who are ministering for the Lord outside the church need to up their game. And then there needs to be a coming together of both the local church and those who minister outside the church to create a synergy of the body of Christ coming together in unity because that's where God bestows the blessing. And so what I'm looking for in Leaders Alliance, we are a global community of kingdom-minded leaders who are committed to seeing God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that'll manifest in souls being saved. It'll manifest in healing and miracles. It'll manifest in transformation taking place in our culture and in the different branches of society. And so we're here to help leaders achieve their highest ability in Christ. In other words, we want to help them discover their God-given destiny and become the leader that God's called them to be. But we also want to actually create partnerships and, and facilitate connection and collaboration between different leaders who may not have known each other so they can begin to build together and see the cross-pollination of the kingdom. And then our final goal in our threefold vision is to really help the local church by providing mentoring and so that local churches can outsource some of their leadership development to us um, let's say uh, they have a marketplace leader in their church, but they don't know really how to how to nurture that person and, and mentor them. They We can have marketplace leaders in our movement go into that local church and help support them, or they have a family ministry, but it's not thriving. We can provide strength to their family ministry. We can provide strength for evangelism. We have a bunch of resources because we've collected these amazing anointed leaders from all over the body of Christ to work with us as partners in Leaders Alliance. Mm -hmm. So anyway, it's 
it's a really uh, exciting vision that we have. And next week we will be launching the vision fully. So if you're interested in finding out more about our vision, go to leadersalliance.org and you will be able to register for next week's gathering. Even if you're not a member, next week will be open. So we're sharing our vision across the board and you can join us for that vision and actually uh, get a sense of who we are, where we're going and how we're going to get there. But anyway, God bless you all. I'm so glad you're with us. Let's pray. Do yeah. you want to pray and ask the Lord's presence? Oh, come on. Let's let's just <laughs> lean into the Holy Spirit. God is within you both to will and to do of his good pleasure and to show you what that is. So we just ask for that, Lord, that we would hear your voice, that you would guide us with your eye upon you, that we're, we would see what you're doing, that we would feel your love, Lord, that we would be captivated and that we could um, give that light and love to others in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good. Well, we're going to have uh, Jeff and Sherry come on now. And, uh, you know, Jeff and Sherry Whitmer have been friends for almost a decade. And yes. uh, Jeff and I have worked really closely together. Uh, we got to travel to Thailand together, Jeff and I and Diane. Uh, Sherry was not able to be and on that trip. And maybe 14 other people. And 14 other people. <laughs> three of us. Pretty fun, though. Yeah, but Jeff and I have worked closely together, gosh, in so many ways, but specifically focused on um, Destiny Finder and how to help people discover their God-given purpose mm. and then to give them a pathway to step into that. And so we've taught side by side in this uh, for many years. And so yes. it's been a, a wonderful relationship. And Jeff is a, a good, good, close friend and confidant. And so I've gotten wisdom and counsel from him. And uh, Sherry is just an amazing person. They've walked together for 44 years as Come a married on. couple. And uh, we're behind have, you at 41. <laughs> we're yeah. behind you at 41. <laughs> And they've had a, just a, an incredible story of challenges and victories in the kingdom. Yeah. And so um, anyway, I'd like you guys to just take a few minutes and share your story. And then we'll, we'll start to interact and ask you mm. some specific questions Come to draw on, you out. Wonderful. Anyway, I'm excited Thank about you. Yes, I, I brought the girl who led me to the Lord with me today when Yay. I was 19 years old. So I decided to marry her, which is one of the smartest things I did. That's and we, I think we're in stage four of the four stage of life cycle. Yeah, first we're our parents' children, then we're our children's parents, then we're our parents' parents, and then we're our children's children. And I think we're somewhere <laughs> whoa, in that. Whoa, 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 we're becoming intense. more dependent on our children now. So I think we're in that stage four after 44 years. Um, Speak for yourself. But, uh, <laughs> but we're, we're grateful. And I think just the longevity of of being in this journey a while, um, it gives you such a fresh perspective, I think, because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't look at like an ending of a season and defining a whole season by how something ends, because it could have some amazing beginnings and some awesome middles and not so great endings, but you can't just, you know, look at the whole story. And mm -hmm. so I just look back over the landscape of 20 plus years of pastoring and just look at so many wonderful uh, seasons um, where we can claim so many victories and 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 being in people's lives at such critical times in their life. I mean, I just yeah. look back over our own story. Um, but yeah, it's just good to be with you guys. And um, you know, I'll just I'll just kick this boat away from the shore for a minute, and then we'll mm -hmm. we'll go from there. Um, 
when I gave my heart to the Lord when I was 19 and Sherry was so much a part of that early discipleship, she discipled me and now she learns from me. I do. But anyway, um, I, I came out of just several years of just being rebellious. I was in detention home. I just rebelled against my father's authority in my life. Um, he was going through a tough time in his life. And I was a fourth born, uh, so I just, I just rebelled against his authority. I, I just went a little crazy for a few years. And um, when I was 19, I decided that really wasn't how I wanted to live my life. That just wasn't who I was. And so I, I responded to uh, um, an invitation to follow Jesus at 19. And we got married when we were 20. And it was a few years into our marriage and we we were we were I was working for General Motors and Sherry worked for a large grocery store that her father was the manager of. So we had it made. We we this young couple, we'd had the money, um, everything we needed, you know, as a young couple. Um, about three years into our our marriage, um, we discovered um, that Sherry was pregnant with twins. And so we were thinking, man, that's great. We can get our family. We can get our two kids all out just one time and just get on with living our life. However, during the birth trauma, we referred to it as a birth trauma. We discovered that one of our, our, our girls um, was dead. She died. She was born, stillborn. And, and the other daughter, um, Allison, born with multiple disabilities. And... Oh that crushed our early dreams of, of what we wanted our life to look like. We were just new believers. Um, I just was so passionate about Jesus. However, during that season, our, our, the elders of the church um, didn't manage our hearts very well. And um, they actually, one of the guys, I just remember him telling us that, 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 you know, first of all, he said that that'll just teach you not to brag about things that you don't know anything about with the twins. That's before he knew that we had one that died. And then once he found out that he just said, well, God just wanted one for himself. And then he gave you wow. one because he saw you special. And how I heard that message at the time that God would actually keep one of our children and give us a broken one. I mean, how I heard that was devastating. I saw it as a betrayal. Uh, of God in my life because I sir I wanted to lay my life down right that's awful and um but then I had a friend his name is Eddie Williams he reached out to me when I had backslidden I'd gone back into a dark place and I was working in the factory and he reached out to me he was such a good brother during that time and he brought me out of that into the light of what we now know as the word of faith movement he started teaching me about the goodness of God, the badness of the devil, helped me sort out that this wasn't God that did this. And I felt like his, his name and his nature was hijacked by kind of a religious spirit. And when we went to Ramah, we sat under Kenneth Hagin for a number of years. We were steeped in a revival culture. And when we came out of that season, uh, I was appointed a youth pastor. Our, our youth ministry exploded. I mean, I was so hungry for people to know the true nature of God. I want to lay my life on. And we saw a revival um, flare up in our youth ministry that ended up becoming um, uh, somewhat of a threat to the established leadership at the time. And we ended up resigning. And, uh, and that's where I had the encounter with the Lord. I was going to go back to um, Jim. Uh, I, was, I was still working for General Motors. 
uh, after youth pastoring and I was going to go back to electrical engineering and that's where I had the encounter with the Lord. And I mentioned this earlier in the hub that um, I had the struggle that Peter had after his denial, when after the resurrection, when Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. And he said that three times until the Peter was exasperated. And he said, Lord, you know, I love you. Then he said, then feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And that was the driving force for me. We, we laid our lives down. We saw revival in our hometown. Um, and we saw so many beautiful things happen. I mean, uh, literally uh, the miraculous. We just had inbreakings of, of, the, of the kingdom of heaven. Um, things were happening in the early 90s that we found yeah. out that were happening in other places like Toronto. Um, yeah. and, we, and we didn't even know about those, but we had this outpouring. Uh, so that was the wow. beginning of, um, of our ministry years. So slow down for a second, because I really want to hear your version, Sherry, of, of this, because I know, gosh, it must have been so challenging for you what happened with your twins. Yeah. And uh, I, mean, I want to even back up a little bit further, because to talk about the, the missionary dating side of it, too. So, but anyway, <laughs> Diane, yes. Yeah, I mean, I just feel for you guys. It's people do not know what to say in a critical situation and they give out cliches that they've heard before and um, just, it can be obliterating in the moment. And that just, when you shared that, that just pierced my heart. <laughs> but I mean, you guys here, you're young, you're at the beginning of your life, things are opening up for you and this huge event happens and Obviously, it happened to both of you, but you you birthed these babies, and um, and then I mean I don't want to just hit that as a blip in the screen because that mm -hmm. definitely shaped the next thing. So anything that you want to share in a, in about that period of time and and afterwards, Sherry, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, I I think so. To lay the context for our lives is we had this very ideal life together. We were um, madly in love almost from the very beginning. We had so much favor on our lives. We loved being a part of the church that we were in and we served in all different capacities. Um, you know, it just felt like we were the darlings of this church. There were a lot of older people, young people. It was just a, a great atmosphere. Um, and like Jeff said, we made plenty of money. We could do whatever we wanted, whenever we wanted. And um, then, wow, we're pregnant with twins. Like you said, we can get our family, you know, we want two kids. This is the like- double portion. And um, we, you know, prenatal care was not what it is now back in the 80s. Uh, I had one ultrasound, which now you see that would be very negligent. And that's when they said, oh, you're pregnant with twins. Um, but even up to the very end, when I had a placental abruption and had to go in for an emergency C-section, um, they were detecting two heartbeats. So even up to that point, we're expecting two babies. Our home is equipped with two of everything, all in neutral tones, because, of course, then you didn't know the sex of your baby. And um, what it ended up, we ended up finding out is that the fetal monitor was picking up my heartbeat and Alex. Oh. Um, but there was not a lot of explanation. There was not a lot of, um, hey, you guys are going to need some help processing this. 
what we heard is when um, Allie was born and then they, they said, let's go for twin B. And, um, you know, I'm draped up with a C-section and Jeff is at my side. And then we hear the doctor go, oh, Oh, and then, there was spring. and then the one says, well, it's Thursday. Oh. And he just basically said, well, you got one healthy baby. Um, and there I am paralyzed from anesthesia and um, feeling very vulnerable at <clears throat> this moment, having to process yeah. this. Um, but then, you know, you try to reframe things okay, I have one child, I need to focus on her. And it wasn't long before we could, we could tell that there was something different about Allie. But being our first child, you don't know, you don't have a point of reference. But she cried a lot. She didn't have a sucking urge. Um, so it would take a long time to feed her, then she would not be able to keep it down. She wasn't gaining weight. And I was afraid, I was terrified to go home from the hospital because I felt like I don't know how to handle this. But back in those days, you could stay in for a C-section for like eight or nine days. Now it's like you go home the next day. But back then it almost built in you that you needed help. And um, so we went home and we had support of the family, but it wasn't until I think that my brother's wife had her baby three months later. And then we saw this little girl start far surpassing Allie um, sitting up, holding up her head and doing all the things that a normal baby does. And we eventually were referred by the pediatricians to a developmental specialist at a large hospital in Toledo, Ohio. And, um, she assessed her and she was kind and she, she talked to us, but she didn't really say anything. A few weeks later, I got the mail and there was a letter from the medical college of Toledo and it was CC'd to us and it was addressed to the pediatricians. And she said, it is my diagnosis that Allison has hypotonic um, cerebral palsy and um, develop, profound developmental delay. We had no one there to help explain to us what that meant, what her future would be like. So we sat there in a puddle of tears and a thousand questions. Um, and what this was going to be like. And um, now as I look back, I know that I never really was able to process what happened because we were catapulted into um, caring for a newborn with very special needs, who didn't sleep much, who cried incessantly, probably for the first three months. Wow. And we were told that she had cerebral palsy until she was 14. And by the time she was one, she started with seizures, grand mal seizures. Oh. And this was oh. about the time that Jeff had gone into his dark, detached place. And Allie started with these seizures. And um, we weren't getting much um, spiritual support from our church because obviously people don't know what to say. And yeah. when yeah. painful things happen to people, sometimes we don't. <laughs> what to say and I don't fault anyone but it just it is what it was and then my mom died um, right after that just went to bed and didn't wake up so we had a lot of losses that happened all once 
But in comes this guy, Eddie Williams, into the factory. And it's like God sends his people into the marketplace, into the dark places. And um, our lives were changed because of hearing about a good God and a bad devil. And all of a sudden, there was a new frame on everything that was happening in our life. This wasn't yeah. from God. We could, yeah. we could dispel yeah. fake news about God. Yeah. Yeah. And we could begin to see him as a lover and as a healer. And that, of course, was a process coming out of Catholicism, where you never know what God is going to do, to being in a church where you never know what God is going to do, to understanding from the the beauty of the scripture of who his nature is, that he's loving and caring and healing and forgiving That's and for so you, not against you. Yes. And a huge, huge pivotal moment in our lives. And that is really what catapulted us into ministry. Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, Michael and I had um, something completely different, but another huge thing right at the same juncture of our of our spiritual lives as young adults as parents and you know just for for all of you that are listening you know life happens and sometimes there are seasons that are easy and sometimes life just knocks you up the side of your head mm -hmm. and it's shocking we're, we're unprepared for it you know right now there's we have friends that are in the war zone and I'm getting daily prayer requests and notifications for them. It's, um, you know, Jesus said in this world, we're going to have tribulation, mm -hmm. but it's okay because he's overcome the world. Yes. And how it shapes us, how we receive it, how we're um, able to be pliant in that means everything because um, yeah. And, and, and you just, uh, you unpacked it a little bit, Jeff. You unpacked it a little bit, Sherry. Just how, you know, somebody saying something so cruel as to this is God made you kind of withdraw from Christian fellowship in a way. And definitely it's like touching the hot iron of the church and withdrew for a while. And um, which, you know, is normal. And uh, how, how does a person respond? Like what I'm like I'm, I'm waiting with bated breath. Like the next phase, you guys, God used that to draw you into ministry and not away from it. I mean, that. Let's hear about that. Yeah, I think when Sherry mentioned Eddie Williams, um, I worked in a factory at the time, and I was responsible for these large grinding wheels. It was a, it was a wheel bearing factory, and they made pump shafts and different things for cars. So I was working on three machines on one side and Eddie had machines on the other side. Well, Eddie was the, 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 the gentlest man I knew who was 320 pounds and was a former NFL player. I mean, wow. here's, here's, here's big Eddie and skinny white guy sitting next to him. And we became really good friends during that time, but he carried so much peace. He's like one of those guys that instead of just responding to a question, he'll just kind of give you a certain look. And then you Aww. realize you know the answer. Anyway, Eddie spent a lot of time with us. He even came to the house, and Allie loved him. Uh, she's so so responsive. And um, there was one day Eddie just kept sharing the goodness of God. You know, he just kept reassuring me this um, 
where I was at. I, you know, I, I went, I knew guys, you know, I could get some weed and different things, go back to the things that I was familiar with to numb the pain. Anyway, Eddie was just, what God was doing through Eddie was wooing me back. And yes. um, I was working on, and one day I had just had gone to lunch and had and smoked some weed with a couple guys and came back to work. And I'm working on these massive grinding wheels, a little bit buzzed. And then when I was working in there, I was in the grinding wheel and Eddie was sitting down the aisle in his chair and I went to change the grinding wheel. And in there, I, I heard the whisper of God. Now we understand this now. Back then I didn't understand how the whisper of God can come to you in your thought flow. But anyway, I could hear him starting to whisper to my heart. I mean, it was almost palpable. I mean, I almost felt his presence in this moment. And um, as I was in there, I kind of—I was like responding to him before I even heard his voice. And I said, it can't, I just remember saying it can't be like it was before because I had to acknowledge I didn't trust God. And I just said, I, if, I give, if I give my heart back to you, um, then I, there's no turning back for me. I have to know I can give you my heart. And I remember the, the, as soon as that I had that thought, it's almost like now I understanding as, as an open heaven. But in that moment, I felt this inrush of, of I, I, all I can say is, is like warm peace, almost like a warm honey. It just it went down through me that actually literally staggered me. I was in there. I was working. I was starting to cry. I started to feel my heart starting to break and starting to turn. And I just stepped back and I was staggering from this <laughs> grinding wheel. And I looked down at Eddie and Eddie was just smiling. It's almost like he knew what was happening. And I thought, well, he probably thinks I'm stoned. And, and, I, and I couldn't work anymore. So I went back and sat next to him. And he's just like patting my leg. How you doing, little buddy? And um, he was looking at me with this look like he just knew what happened. He knew the power wow. of God came on me. And I went home and I was working night shift. Um, so I, 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 I got a second shift. So I got home after midnight and I woke Sherry up and told her. And I went, I had some weed and different things. I went immediately to the locker room. I flushed everything. And I went and talked to the guy who I, who was the guy that I, I would get. From, and I said, dude, my heart is back with God. Don't ever, ever present this to me again. You know, it's wow. my option. Good. And so I just cut that. And I went home and told, told Sherry that. And from that point on, um, things started to really accelerate for us. We started to, um, we'd go home from church and watch Kenneth Copeland on TV. We would, we would read, we actually took out, cause we thought Allie could be healed. So we, we started going to Copeland convention. We even rode up an elevator with Gloria Copeland and her daughter and, and she yeah. held Allie and Allie plucked her one of her earrings out, <laughs> you know, so the healing yeah. evangelist needed healing for her ear. Um, oh but so, we, so then we ended up um, going to Rama. Um, back in the late '80s, which is late '20s for us, and we and just started. Kenneth Copeland's ministry. Kenneth Hagen's uh, ministry. Yes, when Kenneth yeah. Hagen was still alive, and he's just one of the apostles of the faith message, and which is really what we needed at the time. I needed yeah. to know the truth about his nature. Yeah, and that's, I think that's what set us on fire during our Rama years: is being around evangelists. I love being around these anointed leaders. I love being around leaders. I was just so drawn to them. Um, being that that missing piece for me with my father was was not there. I was just so drawn to leaders. Sure. Which is, I don't now, know, my you, know, you guys, 
just fast forwarding a bit, I mean, you guys, you shared a little bit of it earlier, Jeff, that you ended up finally establishing a church and it thrived. I mean, you guys kind of hit the mother load in a sense. You kind of you know, hit pay dirt in a we sense. Did. And you had all of the trappings of success. And yet, you know, a shift began to take place again. Talk about those years and how that shift began to hit you guys. Yeah, how the shift hit for, for me, and then uh, Sherry can share her journey on that, was um, I was all I was all in. I mean, I, I was, I was so, I felt like I was, um, my, my, I was fighting for the reputation of God in my city. I think because of what happened to me, I said, I want people to know who you are. That was my passion. I would That's preach good. so hard that I was like hoarse almost after every message that I preach. And I, we had a, we had one of our teachers that said that you pray yourself hot and then you just preach like a house on fire. He said, and people come and watch you burn. He didn't teach us anything about leadership, <laughs> supernatural, but not super practical. Yeah. And, uh, but we, we drew a, a crowd, you know, we had such a drawing anointing. Um, we had a newspaper article where the newspaper article said there were 500 people coming. And this was after just a few years, just a couple of years. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we built a school of ministry. We had television ministry because we wanted to continue to reach beyond what where our church was. Um, but I think for me, where the shift happened is, uh, I mean, when I was right in my sweet spot, I mean, there were times that we were preaching divine healing with signs following while our daughter was having seizures, laying in a beanbag on the front row. She, wow. she had a, se a season of seizures that were so difficult for her. We yeah. couldn't get them managed that she was just flopping around and she, she grew so weak. She was like a, a, a rag doll. So, I mean, I thought the, the enemy mocking me during that time. However, we just kept preaching this expectation that we had of God encountering us. And we started no, to see beautiful God, things you guys. Wow. So we, we preached through that. But here's what happened for me to answer the question is when we were going after it, what I saw God doing, I wanted to just keep going after it. But as we started to gather people, I felt more and more of a pressure uh, to, you know, my, my team around said, we need to pastor these people and you need to take the lead on that. So I started really taking on the burden of pastoring our community. It was different yeah. than the anointing I had earlier. And I just got, as I mentioned, sort of entangled in the dramas of people, the everyday dramas became so enmeshed in that, the dysfunction of our, our community. I had no idea. When you're preaching revival, it's one thing. When the power of God's coming on them, and we had the power of God coming on groups of people. We'd lay hands on one and 10 people would fall out. We had some unusual signs and wonders <clears throat> until we start pastoring them. <laughs> getting to know them and know their struggles. And for me, I went into a totally different mode of leadership that eventually mm -hmm. caused me to um, I, I burn out, for me to burn out. And my, I, I started getting disengaged from my original assignment until I felt the Lord in his mercy, he, he called us out and called us to himself. And, and we've been on this journey um, now, this, this, this phase for the last 10 years. And that's when wow. you know, I met Michael about 10 years ago. And we've been on this, this season of discovery now. And that's where we really discovered the coaching um, experience. 
That's so amazing. Yeah. Yeah, Sherry, you're just a quick kind of from your side, how did that feel that whole season, 20 years of being pastors and, and walking that out. That's amazing. We started out with so much excitement, so much power, so much supernatural that it was absolutely captivating and all consuming. It was one of the highlights of my life when I look yes. back at it. And I know that revival was part of something that God marked us for in those days in Allie's early days and we were studying we lived about i don't know a tenth of a mile from this christian bookstore on the corner and um i would run down there every couple of days and buy a couple books and i would just read through everything harrison house everything by that the group of the the faith people ew kenyon i was reading these books day after day after day and um, we just knew we needed more and after bible school we had no idea what we carried um what we had saturated ourselves in but when we came back and then it was obvious that we were exploding with the presence of god and things were happening and things got messy it was it was apparent that in time we were going to have to have our own movement and um, it was probably three years solid, amazing, crazy, supernatural. Like, I wish we would have taken the time to write down the things yeah. that because they were the things that you read about in books. Right. Yeah. And um, I remember the day we had a, a staff retreat, and I say that this was the turning point when Jeff pulled out the whiteboard <laughs> and he started to organize the ministry. <laughs> and then, oh boy. Yeah, kind of organized. It's like touching the ark when that was being carried. <laughs> yeah. And, um, <laughs> Then just things started to take on a different flavor. Not that we still didn't see things, experience things over those next 17 years. But um, our our focus, you know, it's like Moses, like, what am I going to do with all these people? How do I handle this? And, and we definitely needed somebody to come along and really coach us on how we could handle a revival and a church because you know revivals don't last forever yeah and and that's something that we it, as hard as it is to hear they don't last forever they give way to a reformation and and things things change and then there are new revivals um and we didn't really know how to look at that um so no, we totally understand that. And that's really like, I mean, we have such similar parallels in our story as well. And I think that we did go through, you know, some of that same stuff where, okay, how do we ride this horse? You know, it's like this wild horse. Um, and so, and, and obviously I, I know I made some of the same mistakes, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, perhaps bringing in too much strategy, too much overstructuring in a way that didn't facilitate, but actually kind of smothered what God was doing. And then you move into pastoral mode, like you were talking about, Jeff. It's like you become this professional minister. And unfortunately, um, you know, it, it ends up uh, losing its life. And, uh, yeah. you know, that the life that was feeding you before starts to dry up and you, you stay in there too long. 
and you can find yourself at a point of burnout. And that's the point at which you guys then decided to retool. And, um, and that's when we met. And, and something that you said earlier, you said um, you took on a persona and weren't any longer operating from your core. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, probably what launched you into a new seeking mode, which is beautiful. And I want to congratulate that, you know, for those of the, you that are listening, when you have a church, you have a safe place, even if it's hard, you have a regular check coming in, you have uh, a standard of life. Mm -hmm. For somebody who really is searching God and saying, I'm willing to give up that to find the gold of what God is really like. And once you've tasted being alive on the inside and that God's meeting you there, it, you're, you're wrecked for normal life. And you guys took a very bold move and moved on from that. So let's hear about that. I mean, that's amazing that you did that. Yeah, that, oh, that's where I, I mentioned earlier that I, I had to discover my 10 years working with Michael and being here in our community. Um, I had to find out that codependency was not a spiritual gift. Um, because I, I, I think there's this thing where your ability to persevere, uh, you start to see that as a badge of honor. And yeah. I had, and the reason I say that is because I probably stayed, stayed seven years longer than I should have, because mm. I've been, I, I was sensing that there was becoming a gap between what was in my core, my core passion and the, my role and my performance. I felt the yes. gap. I just, I go, well, if I did this, we got this kind of fruit. So we'll just do more of that to get more fruit. And you yeah. find yourself in this drivenness or this performance mode. Um, irritability sets in. You stop uh, nurturing the leaders around you. You stop building leadership. You're spending more time solving problems and putting out fires and that sort of thing. Uh, and then I just started, I, I just got to the point where I could see what was happening with Sherry carrying that burden, especially when I wasn't in my hot spot. You know, when I was in my sweet spot, she falls into her role so seamlessly. Um, but when I'm not there, then her gift sort of goes a little bit dormant in her. And then she'll take on responsibilities that she's very good at, but it's not her, you know, her anointing or Metron, as she mentioned. Uh, so it was a few years in there, Diane, that we just kind of yes. kept things going. I tried new things, reinventing the ministry every Monday morning, just kind of looking for my spark. I would travel mm -hmm. and start walking in a coffee shop just to get outside the, the walls of the church. And that's where I discovered coaching back in 2006, which is a few years before we actually left. And uh, I was like, wait a minute. I it started. That's where I started to understand boundaries. Um, I didn't have to work harder on these things than they're working. You know, coaching was helping people really establish boundaries, become personally powerful. And it changed the whole way I started to do leadership. Um, and then eventually we just knew that we needed to walk away from it and we need to lay it down to recover some things that were very important to us. That's beautiful. Um, it's very hard, but very beautiful. 
So before we go into the next chapter, um, I do want to actually just mention those of you who are watching with us today, welcome. We're glad you're with us at Leaders Alliance podcast. And we're part of a larger movement that is going on right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, leaders from the church, the local churches and leaders from the marketplace coming together to actually partner to see God's influence in the land increase and God's power be released in our world. And um, and with that, we've actually uh, produced a, a, a leadership training e-course that we believe will bless you guys uh, so much. It's actually called Kingdom Leadership Foundations. And uh, it's really, uh, this is the first in a series of leadership training that we're doing. But this one is really about hearing the voice of God, understanding God's leadership in your personal life, and then extending that leadership out to your family, uh, within the realm of friendships in your workplace, in your church. It's really about that sort of initial steps into leadership. How do you become the leader that God's called you to be? And how do you actually help others to also awaken to the call of God on their lives? And so that's a course that we want to encourage you to check out at leadersalliance.org. And also please subscribe to Leaders Alliance podcast at YouTube. We're we're glad you're here. And uh, if you just hit the subscribe button, you can be part of this long term. But let's get back to the story. So we started working together when you came to to Bethel's uh, School of Supernatural Ministry. And we've been working together 10 years now with uh, mostly with Jeff, but also with Sherry involved as well in the last couple of years. And so we've been connected on this level and partnered together to really help some of the students here and some of the members here to discover who God has made them to be. Talk about that and then talk about that in relationship to coaching and how that works. Oh, I think the 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 years of working with you since the ministry, um, I, I think, you know, such a, um, you know, the, the courtroom of our trials become the classroom of our discoveries. And I, I look back over those years and I, I think being, you know, removed from that environment to be able to look at it more objectively, uh, it just became, you know, I spent a lot of time going back, I think, in a healthy way with the Lord and, and looking back and, you know, just, you know, we have a way of doing that, you know, and, and processing where you go back and you go back with the Lord and you look at things. It's like um, uh, the Christmas Carol, you know, when the ghosts of Christmas past had to take Scrooge back and stand outside the window and tell him what happened. Um, so I think that process really helped me um, understand a little bit more of relationship dynamics kind of what's going on on the inside versus what's happening on the outside of the unfolding events and how to connect those dots there. I think that's where coaching really helped me look at things with a fresh perspective that it's not happening to you. You know, you're not being a victim in this. Uh, it's not happening to you that so you can actually, you know, come to a more powerful place centered in God uh, and then um, be more strategic about, um, how we solve problems, if you will. And I, instead of just, you know, being, a, you know, just surviving, you start, you, you do start to find yourself thriving in intentional relationships and coaching. And I, and we found that that's kind of a sweet spot for us in the coaching um, mm-hmm. and to actually get results with people. Uh, there's one level of results through public communication and there's such value in that, but when you can come alongside people and help them kind of uncover the same roadblocks and things that are, you're familiar with because you've been on that. You're know, like Moses spent time in the wilderness 
um, prior to leading Israel out because he was familiar with the terrain. Um, so I, I think you know, God teaches you to prosper um, through your seasons of setback and sorrow. Yes. Well, wow, so good. And and you guys, how do you define your unique, because you both are coaching, but you're coaching in different ways. Um, how do you define, I guess, life coaching, uh, destiny coaching, coaching even, uh, and, and on the other hand, health coaching or, or uh, nutritional coaching? Like, how do you guys describe yourselves and exactly what you do? How does it work? Well, I'll, I'll jump in first and then have Sherry, you know, because Coaching in its essence is to be able to bridge the gap between where people are presently in their life and where they hope to be. Uh, mm. And it's like the priestly and the prophetic nature. You know, the priestly can love people right where they're at, reach them right where they're at, which builds relationship. And then to prophetically to be able to reach people where they are not, but where they would like to be. And wow. that's what builds hope. One builds relationship, the other one builds, yeah. fosters hope in them for the future. So I think the essence of coaching is, uh, you know, like I said before, um, I'm like a hope junkie in that. I just love seeing the hope light up in people's eyes. Mm -hmm. So for me, that's the essence of coaching, how to take them from where they're at priestly, love them there, and then take them where they, they are not, but they want to be or they should be, even according to their unique design in God. And so I, I found out in personal life coaching, um, that could take on uh, everything from relationships, you know, relationship conflicts, leadership conflicts, how the leader is interfacing with his team or their challenge, her challenges, um, personal habits, you know, just having a personal coach. Destiny coach zeroes in on that destiny journey, which I think when I met Michael, it resonated in me, you know, because all true leaders have a voice. They have a sound that inspires people. And Michael carried that for me, that destiny piece. And so destiny coaching for me is very specific, very intentional with moving people along on their, their, their journey. And I, I think that's just very, that inspires me. You can see that's a joy for me. So personal coaching, destiny coaching, and then wellness coaching came out of Sherry's journey uh, with her, her story. Yeah. So I'll talk first on life coaching. I, was so fascinated with the idea back in about 2005. And I looked into the program because I was doing a lot with inner healing and that sort of thing. But it seemed like God was shifting something for me because I didn't want to keep going back with people. I wanted to see people move forward. And um, I looked into the life coaching program and I saw, oh, I felt intimidated. Oh, I don't think I can do that. Um, and it wasn't long after that that Jeff decided that that's what he was going to do. And he went through the course and um, was certified. And that was, what, 2006 or yeah. seven, mm -hmm. And started taking clients right away, even while he was still pastoring. Um, and that that ended up being something that I thought, I think I'd like to do that. But it wasn't the time. But in the meantime, I had my own health crisis. And um, I won't go into the details of that. But it ended up that medical doctors weren't able to help me. And kind of an offhanded comment that I made to my chiropractor um, opened up this whole world of natural healing that I didn't know existed. And it set me on this path of self-discovery and partnering with my body to heal itself the, the, the changes in me were so remarkable 
that mm. I got so excited and I say I said I have to preach the gospel of good food because it changed my life. It yeah. literally changed my life. And um, after that, then I started pursuing education in that. And when my chiropractor found out, he said, what are you doing? We, would you want to come work for me? And then he sent me for all these trainings and all this education. And I worked for him for four years before we moved here. And he would send me all these places to be educated about nutrition. And I was sitting next to doctors and chiropractors and all these licensed practitioners, but yet somehow God gave me this favor to learn all these incredible things about clinical nutrition. And I thought for sure, when you moved here, I was going to hit the floor running with that. Um, and that's another case of where you kind of walk off your map um, and it's not exactly the way you thought it was going to go. And and I mentioned this earlier that I struggled with having come out of 20 years of pastoral ministry <clears throat> to having such this intense passion for natural healing that I almost felt like I was cheating on the Lord. And mm -hmm. I had to keep this back to him. Is this okay? Are, are we okay? Are we still good? And, yeah. uh, you know, I didn't always get clear answers. And as I mentioned, it was, it was going through Destiny Finder and doing it multiple times and coming up with the same answer. And when you keep coming up with the same answer, there starts to be this confidence in you that this is what I was made for and mm. it's okay. And that's yeah. when I allowed myself to feel mm. the pleasure of God about this. Mm. And it has been revolutionary for me, even just in the last few months when I quit full-time work <clears throat> and said, it's you and me. Let's let's do this. Let's go into the villages and heal together. That's so exciting. Oh, and yeah, and so then life coaching. Um, I went through our course, the C three course, because I I kept hearing people in our living room learning about it, and I was like, That's... we were doing the classes here at our house at first. Yeah, it was fascinating yeah. to me, and I was hearing people coach each other and get breakthroughs, and I thought. Oh, I want to do that. So I jumped in the next class and I tell people I learned how to coach better with this course than what I did for the course that I took for my nutritional coaching, which there was an aspect of life coaching in that course. Right. And I had so right. much more confidence in using these tools that um, I can say without a doubt, <clears throat> it's a, a very quality course. So when it comes to health and life, I believe that they marry well because mm -hmm. all health is life and life is health. That's and, right. and we are holistic beings. You may not be happy with some things in your life and make bad choices with your nutrition. And it, it has a deeper meaning for you. You know, maybe yes. you, you eat junk food at night because you just, there was no sense of resolution like we were talking earlier. Your day didn't resolve. You don't feel satisfied. So that's, you know, three bowls mm. of cereal before you go to bed. Um, <laughs> you know, and I've done all these things. That's why I can say it without judgment. Amen. I've done them all. And um, yeah. I partner with people in that and help create um, just a new path. Yeah. Good. It's yeah. not a straight path. You know, it's a leader within Leaders Alliance. We're we're trying to join with people 
in all walks of life, that a mom is in full-time ministry, that a health worker is in full-time ministry. Mm-hmm. What we do, who we are, and what we what we um, put out there into the world is our ministry. Mm-hmm. And so, like you said, oh, I felt, are we okay, God, with me doing this? God's actually launching you into your most fruitful place where mm-hmm. you're going to bring most healing in life. And um, there's permission for that. There's the sacred and the secular is very different. You know, we, we get a lot of rewards, especially our generation, when we work in the church. If we're doing something inside the walls of the church, then that's godly. Outside, that's what we do, but mm-hmm. we get back to the church. God's trying to bring the church outside the doors because he wants us to live out loud. Um, I just think it's beautiful. Maybe you could um, mention real quickly, what is your uh, email address in case people want to get in touch with you um, for for this? Yeah, are you talking for um, Sherry's? Yeah, we'll do both. So you want to go ahead? Yeah, can I put it in the chat? Would that be easier? Yes, please do. Yeah, and it'll be put on. But but also, um, while you're doing that, Sherry, why don't you talk a little bit about the... uh, um, the, the C3 uh, coaching collaborative, um, Jeff, and, and the training that you guys offer. Sure. Yeah, that's um, the, the training. I, I started getting a lot of people asking, um, like, how to actually do coaching. I was coaching them, and they had their own discoveries, and then they wanted to know how to do that. And so we start, again, the developer part of me, I wanted to develop people. I wanted discipleship, but it brought it into a, just a new sphere of, of activity through coaching. Um, so we take people through um, th- through the, the the essentials of of life coaching. We try to connect with people with where they're at in a, in a way. Um, I like look at it like uh, an encore of your life because many people come into this from other professions. And they're just like not quite satisfied or they're not not quite fulfilled in in their life. But we're finding this sense of convergence when they come in to learn how to coach because they can bring their multiple life experiences and their different skill sets. And they can bring them all together to make them into one beautiful expression. Uh, And so that's what we love. So we like to take people from the very beginning, the essentials of coaching, help them uh, cultivate a listening ear. Like, like it's a, it's an acoustic art coaching, learning how to hear, how to ask powerful questions. And then we take them through what we call the core competency of coaching, which the International Coaching Federation would call them their core competencies, which is universal principles of coaching. So we take them through, we drill them. I mean, they get coached. Um, we have peer coaching, we have mentor coaches, we teach them how to hear, how to honor each other's story. Um, and then we take them through. And we also have a business component to it where we teach them how to actually identify their business entity, how they want to build a business, how they learn to market their message and that sort of thing. So we have that that piece as well. Um, so, yeah, we have another course coming up in October. Uh, it's a 17 week cohort. Um, and those core co- cohorts are dynamic. And each one takes on its own personality. Um, it takes on its own unique culture uh, because of the people that are coming together and sharing. 
so yeah, it's a it's a, been a beautiful experience for us to, to do. One of the, the one of the things that I've seen um, with people that go through your coaching is there's a building up of confidence, a, um, a resonation, a res a, um, a resonance with their own core, and also you guys to learn coaching. You can you can have it as a supplemental income. You're actually um, through different uh, courses that they do that you can become accredited. But even if you don't use it as a business skill, it works in family. It yes. works with your kids. It works with your friends. It works with you talking your friends through their stuff. Like it's these are this is basically a form of discipleship that has been missing in the church of how to communicate well and how um so i mean i we just highly recommend you guys um it was put across the screen and it's also in the chat room so um yeah. you'll be able to see it for those of you that are listening today and let me we have about five more minutes so i want to drill down into a couple of specific things as we wrap up our time how do you see coaching interfacing with leadership in general okay most leaders tend to be or at least the classic image of a leader is they're very directive very decisive they're constantly telling people what to do and how to do it coaching approaches things from a different angle yeah, altogether that's a good point. okay can you talk for a minute about what how you've led differently now that you're a coach and how every leader can become a better leader by learning coaching principles yes Wow. Great question. Wow. Yeah, that to me when I look at leadership, leadership is is I just look at it as like the art of the future. You know, it's to be able to envision um, a, a a more preferred future, and to be able to uh, strategize with people to actually move towards that, to pull the future towards them, if you will. And and what coaching does it, and from our kingdom paradigm, our faith based paradigm is we believe there are no unsolvable problems. This sound a little, yes. sound a little bit Steve Backlund there, but I, I really do believe that. And I, and I believe we are uniquely wired by God. And this is the destiny finder. What we, what we teach is, you know, you, you're uniquely wired by God. You were known by God. Your identity was known by him before you were even formed. And there was a destiny laid out before you. So I go into it listening for that. Like I said, coaching is uh, an acoustical, art. You learn to listen for that destiny piece in people. You learn to listen to the life calling that they are hearing um, because they're hearing their calling. And then there are certain seasons where they're called out. They're called out and summoned to leadership or to summon for certain seasons. And I think for coaching, it helps me really dial in and respect and honor the story that people are living and to be able to, to meet them where they're at that that priestly presence that anointing that we carry but also to see where they could go and this is that that's the art of the future then is like where could they go if they were actually able to connect with it that deeper part of their the unique wiring uh, hear their calling in god and also how can you strategize to get there intentionally and I think that's yes. the thing with leadership is it's a very intentional tool <clears throat> to develop the people around you, which is the, the very thing that Jesus anointed us for, is to go into all the world and make disciples of the nations. Right. And uh, coaching for me is, um, it, it does, it combines that priestly with that 
prophetic anointing without calling it that. You know, I can, yeah. I can we can reskin our, our our giftings, uh, and then you know instead of looking like we're you know the pastor modality there, we can come into coaching and it works really well into the marketplace. Now I can take my ministry into the marketplace. I can help develop people in the marketplace without having uh, in the church, outside the church uh, dichotomy there. You know, I can, we can blend those together. Um, and so for me, that I think that's what life coaching can do for people if they, if they get skilled at it. Excellent. One of the things that comes up in my mind for, um, for you, Sherry, because your branch um, is also the health branch. And sometimes ministers, men and women are in ministry and they actually feel like they're in their zone, but they feel dull and lifeless or they're depressed and they've gone to counseling. Sometimes there's oftentimes there's the key that you're not physically healthy and that the body and our physical health is not second class. Like we live in this temple and so um, often, you know, I'm just saying often what you have to offer, Sherry, is the other part of coming into vibrancy in all that we're, we're meant to be in life, you know? That's, Would you say it that way? Yeah, that's so good, Diane, because even yeah. in Ohio, when I would start to dream about this life we had, it was coming to me in little pictures of living in the mountains somewhere and having this whole person clinic. Um, and that's really what Jeff and I do. We're like a whole person clinic yes. um, because he can bring the word. Um, he can, um, he can coach like nobody's business, uh, but then I really love to deal with the, the body aspect. And you're wow. so right is that people feel like they're in their zone, but they may feel dull. They may feel depressed and may not see the link that it is um, directly related to their diet, to mm -hmm. their sleeping habits. And that's what I like about coaching is we just get asked a thousand questions. And yes. I'm often to the doctor now and you've got, what do you got five minutes in there? Oh. And you say, I've got this. And we, we can only deal with one issue at a time. And uh, that's what I love about coaching is people and I'm a great listener. I love to listen to people and I love to ask questions. I'm naturally inquisitive. So coaching is a great place to just say, well, how is this? Well, I guess I never thought about that. Right. And just yeah. see people start connecting dots on, oh, you know, maybe I am not going crazy. Maybe yeah. it's yeah. my diet. Yes. You know, maybe, you know if we say it's you are what you eat. Well, if that's not exactly true, you are what you digest. And wow. if your digestion is off, um, it, it sets up a whole host of problems in the body. The liver becomes toxic. The brain becomes foggy. Depression sets in. And I say, you know, the way some people eat, they should be depressed because that <laughs> is a good sign to you because symptoms are there to be your teachers. They're yes. there to wake up. Hey, this isn't yep. working for you. Um, so some people, it's good that they get depressed. It's good that they get sick because then they slow down and take assessment. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Well, with both branches, you're, tr you're trying to treat the root and not the symptom. And that's yeah. where we need to go. 
beautiful you guys your life is beautiful thank you for going the distance and yes. and um you know paying the price to be who you are today because you're so needed in the world that's right and you for died. all the leaders that are tuning in today you know i just want to say that um that the mm -hmm. world needs you healthy yes both spiritually in your in your in your psychology in your body the world needs you god so loved the world that he gave them you yes. but he wants you to be in your prime so that you can exude the life it's that he's on. given you and i'm so excited that you know jeff whitmer mm -hmm. who i've worked with for years sherry's going to be joining him they're going to be in, a, in an associate leader role in the church catalyst group and so they'll be accessible on that level and obviously their other services and products that they offer are also accessible as well so when you join leaders alliance um several times throughout the month we break up into smaller groups you'll be able to access them face to face on the screen mm -hmm. even make appointments outside but um but what a package to get you know excellent so Jeff, can you just uh, close us in prayer and just release an impartation over? Yes, absolutely. Papa, I thank you for each person that's going to hear these words today, that is hearing these words, and they matter to you. And, and for God, you so love the world that you gave your son. But that incarnation did not stop. You are still incarnated in the body of Christ. And you engage yes. the culture then. And you want to engage the culture now. You want to be fully immersed in it to bring heaven on earth. And as Michael mentioned, we need to be healthy. We need to be whole. We need to be happy and vibrant. And we need to be winsome for Jesus. And we thank you for that. And just ask God that you would bring us into alignment with you. You would draw us to yourself. And Jesus, sometimes we're called uh, into ministry. We're called out for leadership, but sometimes we're called apart to be with you. And for each person who's hearing that right now, when you said, come away with me, and I'll teach you how to recover your life. Take my yeah. yoke upon you. And, and there's a yoke that's fashioned intimately for each one of us, that we are to be yoked with you. Uh, and this is about derivativeness. This is about learning to bring the Father's life into our everyday experience. And let us just say that with Jesus, we do what we see the Father doing and we say what we hear the Father saying. So I just bless that relationship, Lord. Bring us to yourself, empower us afresh because refreshing comes from your presence. And we just speak life and blessing over each person in Jesus' strong name we pray. Amen. 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 You guys, there's Thank so you much Thank you guys for having us here today. Absolutely. Yeah. You guys, everybody on the call today, there's hope. Um, get connection. Uh, look for answers. We're here to help if you want to join us. And check out leadersalliance.org and sign up for our next gathering on Wednesday morning. It'll, it'll share the vision for this next six months. So God bless all of you. Take care. Bye.